You look great this year, church. You look great, Bart. Um, I might need one. Yeah, thank you, Bart. <clears throat> My name is David John Phillips. I have the joy and honor of getting to be the pastor here. There is no place I'd rather be. There's nothing that I'd rather be doing. I'm telling you, if you've never experienced this before, it is fun getting to be in the center of God's will, doing exactly what he called you to do in the exact moment, exact place, at the exact right time. Thank you, my brother. It's amazing. There's, there's a, a sense of joy and peace walking in the pleasure of God. And man, that's what he wants for every single one of you. Every single one of you as a son or daughter of God to be confident in, in the presence of God and to, to walk in his presence in the purposes he created you for in every aspect of your life, in your relationships, in your friendships, in your job, in your church, in your, in your recreation, him being the center of everything for 2024. Amen? Amen. And the rest of your life. Yeah? yeah. All right. So if this is your first time, praise the Lord. We're, we're glad you came. Welcome. Uh, if this is your second or third, you're, you're kind of still relatively new. Man, we pray you become like family. You, you look like family to me already. So, amen. We pray you experience and you encounter the love of Jesus in a real way. Because when you do that, everything will shift. And your life will become a testimony to others of how his goodness transforms you to experience life the way he created you to. It's just fun. How many, how many have experienced that before? You know that? Come on. If you, if you haven't, look around and ask somebody about it. All right. If you haven't caught on, today we're going to be talking quite a bit about testimony because it's important to remember what God has done before we look forward to what he's going to do. All right. Uh, Psalm chapter 119 in verse 24 says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Your testimonies, the story of what you did and the story of what you've done in my life and in the lives of others, I delight in them. If you don't delight in the testimony of what Jesus has done in your life, in the lives of others, and what he did 2,000 years ago, you need to learn to delight in it. It's important for you to train yourself, allow the Holy Spirit to train you to delight in the testimonies of God. And it says, they are my counselors. So when I look back at the life of Christ, the Bible says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. At, he's, a, he's the exact in bodily form. So when I look at the life of Christ, I see the Father. And then it says in Ephesians 5.1, we are to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. So when I see the life of Christ and the testimony of Jesus, I'm supposed to uh, shift my life to imitate the way that Jesus lived. And the way that he lived is when he heard the father say something, he said it. And when he saw the father do something, he did it like a dearly loved child. And that's the way we are supposed to live. Amen. Amen. That's Christianity. It's beautiful, and it reflects the character and the nature of the Father to the world around us. That's my, my counselors. I also have a picture in my mind of like a, a boat. Anybody ever been boating before, right? Go fishing, go out. When you, when you look at the front of the boat, and you look down as you're going in the water, if you're going really fast, you can't tell what direction the boat is going, right? 
It, it, it just looks like you're going straight. You just see a bunch of water rushing by. But if you look back 500 yards, 1,000 yards, half a mile, you can see the wake. And you can see maybe the wake is just has a gentle turn to it. So then you can look back at the testimonies of what God's done over the past decade or 20 years or 30 years or six months, depending on how long you've been following him. And you can see his working in your life even before you gave your life to Jesus. And you can see the wake of his working in your life and it can help you to predict or to see what direction he has you moving in the forward. Amen? If I see a, a gentle curve here in the wake from my boat, I can say, well, he's, he's probably leading me to continue in that direction. Does that make sense? Yeah. So his, the testimony of what he's done is the counselor for me and kind of shows me the direction that he's leading me. Amen? All right, <clears throat> let's just, I, let me just share a little bit of a testimony. Hopefully you laugh at this and are encouraged by it, uh, at the God working in, in and through my life and the enemy trying to rip away the word that he shared. So how many of you guys were here for Christmas Eve service? All right, many of you were here. I, I preached a word on joy to the world. Jesus being our joy, and I had Dolores, which the worship team today, the worship was amazing, huh? Come on. There's something about singing together in unity, worshiping Jesus together corporately, where you experience the presence of God when it's unified. And here's a, a side note, just a kind of a bunny trail, if you will. If you come in to a corporate gathering and you only do what you feel and you only sing when you feel like it, then you're being rebellious to God. Like some people just got, what? what? You're being rebellious because rebellious resists unity. Rebellion resists unity. And so if the worship leader who is the person delegated by God to lead the congregation of worship says, hey, let's all lift our hands to the Lord. And you say, no, I'm not lifting my hands because I don't feel like it. You're being rebellious to the God-directed, delegated authority in the room, and you're causing disunity in the room. So there's going to be a lack or a less of a manifestation of the presence of God in the room because of your rebellion. If the, if the worship leader says, hey, come on, let's sing with all our heart. And you're like, well, I don't do that. That's out of my comfort zone. And you don't do it. You're missing out and you're causing those around you to miss out on the glory of God. Because there's a synergy, synergistic um, effect of you, the unity of the body of believers together worshiping in unity. Look, in Acts chapter 2, they were together in one accord. Not a car. They were together in one accord. And that unity, the Holy Spirit came down in power. Man, I want to see the power of God work in and through our church. And we're seeing it more than ever before in our church because our leaders are unified and rowing in the same direction. So I challenge you, if this is, you're just visiting here and you're just hearing this for the first time and you usually go somewhere else or you live somewhere else, when you go back to your church, as you worship corporately, worship with all your heart as led. Be willing to humble yourself and submit one to another and watch how God moves in power. As we worship together in unity, like next week when you come, don't just do what you feel. 
Do what the Holy Spirit tells you to through the leadership that is here and those around you. And watch how God moves in power, not just in your life, but in the room and impacts everyone around you. Did that hit some people? I feel like it did. It's okay. If that's the way that you've been approaching church in the past, here's what you do when you learn something new. That's, that's true. I repent. I turn and I try the right way next time because there will always be fruit of repentance. If you just say, oh, you're right, I'm sorry, and there's no fruit, there was no repentance. Because there's fruit of repentance, and the fruit of repentance is the result. It's action in the opposite way. You can hear truth and just say, I'm sorry, all you want, but if there's no fruit, that means you didn't repent. Amen? Amen. Man, where did that come from? <laughs> all right, <clears throat> Jesus. So, back to Christmas Eve service, we preach joy to the world. And how Jesus is our joy, and we can have joy in the midst of every circumstance. And Dolores got up and sang joy to the world like 70,000 times in the middle of the service. It was kind of great. And I preached about rejoicing always. And that there's never an excuse not to rejoice because God is with you. Now, when you have a revelation of something, when God reveals something to you about himself that you've never seen before, not that it's new, man, it's in scripture. People have seen this, but it's revealed to you, right? Don't you know that the enemy is going to try to steal that word from your life? When you have a deeper revelation of something, and I'll just tell you, when you begin to make disciples in your life, when you stop sitting on a seat, which most of you, I would say most of you, and I don't know, hopefully all of you, are not just sitting on the seat, but everything that you receive, you're giving out to your wife and to your, your kids or to your husband and, and, and you're ministering. As you begin to teach others what you're learning in the Lord, you'll begin to grow more than ever before. And the lessons that you thought you knew before will grow so deep in you that you'll, it will be like you never knew it before because you're just learning more and more of Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, you learn the most when you give it out. So, on December 24th, when I'm talking and preaching a message about rejoicing, which I've done many times if you've been at Real Church, I'm giving out a word that's not new to me, but it's going deeper in me than ever before. So, don't you know the enemy's going to try to test it? Because he doesn't think we believe what we say we believe. He's going to try to make my life look like a hypocrite. Yeah? So December 24th, we already had our family van loaded up because we were ready to go see the grandparents in Louisiana. My family and Courtney's family live within a seven mile radius. I mean, everybody lives together. We're from the, the sticks, from the boondocks, from the country, okay? If you, those of you that don't know, if you've ever seen Duck Dynasty, that's what my whole family looks like and sounds like. And I might as well just say this one too. You know you're a redneck when you have an Aunt Bubba. <laughs> and she told her daughter to put her teeth back in. True story. And Aunt Bubba's a nice lady, okay? We just couldn't say Donna when we were a kid, so we called her Aunt Bubba as a two-year-old. And it's stuck, poor lady, poor girl. Okay. Anyway, so we get in the car. I'm tired from preaching uh, it's about one o'clock because that's when the second service had ended. 
And Courtney offers to drive the first couple hours, let me rest, and then I'm going to drive. I'm gonna, we're going to make it the rest of the way. It's a 12-hour, 12-and-a-half-hour drive, no stops with kids, probably 13-and-a-half, 14 hours on a good day. But, man, we're going to make it by, like, 3, 3 a.m., you know? High hopes, wake up Christmas morning with the grandparents, hadn't been there in a couple years. It's going to be great. So we get in the car. Two-and-a-half hours down the road, we're uh, just past Live Oak, uh, so about eight miles past Live Oak, and the uh, red battery light comes on in the van Christmas Eve. So I'm like, she's, Courtney's, things start shutting down. It's like, what, what, what do I do? I was like, uh, just keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Jesus, heal the van. In Jesus' name. Van dies, comes on the side of the road. We swap, we swap points. I'm like, you know, what just happened? I'm not a car guy, so I don't automatically know that the red battery light means anything other than battery. <laughs> so punch the button, it cranks back up, and we search. There's a Walmart that's about eight miles back at Live Oak, and we're in the panhandle in the middle of the nowhere. So... I get on the next little exit um, overpass. We go across and start going the other way towards Live Oak. The van dies again. We're on the side of the road. It's Christmas Eve. It's about 5.30 at this point. Um, start looking. Okay, it's the alternator probably. It's the, the little red light, battery light means charging system. Um, I pop the hood, look at the battery, but there's a sticker on the battery that says 1022, which means, you know, the battery's old. Maybe all the cells are out is what I'm thinking. You know, that, that could be it. And then alternator can't charge it because the cells all, I, I was not smart. So, so I get back in the car and the van won't crank at all to get us to Walmart. And we had the opportunity to freak out. It's Christmas Eve. We got four kids in the car, me and Courtney. I just preached a word on rejoicing, which is good because God was preparing me for the test. If I hadn't preached a word on rejoicing, I might not have rejoiced. I might have freaked out. I was tempted to. But praise the Lord, we still had peace. Our, and our kids were all good. You know why? Because their parents were good. Don't get mad at your kids when they're, you know, acting a mess at 8 and 9 and 10 years old. Because maybe in the stressful situations, you acted a mess, right? Well, we're, we still have the peace of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because in the word that I preached, which is the word of God, every word that God has wrapped in that word is the grace, which is the empowerment, the supernatural empowerment to empower you to live out the word. All it takes is faith, hearing the word, believing it enough to obey it in the moment. And as you take the steps of obedience, his grace that's wrapped in that word empowers you to reflect his character and nature in the moment. That's by grace through faith. Does that make sense? So, so uh, it's 5.30. Baby, see if there's an Uber. Well, we're in the middle of nowhere on Christmas Eve. There happens to be one Uber, like, in the area, and she happened to keep her phone on. So calls the Uber, the Uber driver takes me to Walmart eight miles down the road. Walmart closes at 6 p.m. We get to Walmart at 5.55 p.m. 
I had already called, praise the Lord, it was the wisdom of God because I'm not that smart. I had already called the, the battery area or whatever and they had a battery ready for me and the tools necessary to change it out on my van. So I had to buy all of that. Uber driver takes me back to the car and leaves. And then the road ranger pulls up behind us at that exact time, holds a flashlight for me as I change out the battery. Praise the Lord, it cranks up. No little red battery light. We're in the clear, right? <laughs> but I was hoping it wasn't the charging of the system, the alternator, because I was hoping my theory was right, although it wasn't. We drove to Live Oak and we stayed in uh, the Holiday Inn Express, which would mean you can do anything the next day if you remember those commercials. I stayed in a Holiday Inn Express last night. Uh, we got some Chinese from this little country town. We got some, some Chinese country fusion, a Chinese country fusion buffet. <laughs> yeah, so, so there was like sushi and fried chicken. <laughs> My kids loved it. Uh, so then we slept and woke up the next day. I cranked up the van multiple times. It was good. No charging system light. So, hey, let's go for it. Christmas morning, it's raining. We get in the car, we drive 50 minutes down the road and the van goes and it won't crank back this time. 10 minutes in silence on the side of the road. We're trying to rejoice in the Lord. Courtney's like, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, baby. Because we're at this point, three and a half, four hours from home in the panhandle. Called my dad. No, 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 it's, it's about four hours, because it's this side of Tallahassee. Eight hours from Louisiana, yes, yes. Four hours from here, from this home. So, so call my dad. Uh, he's looking in, we're looking into rental cars and all that kind of stuff. And there's a little town called Monticello that's about 10 minutes away. So I'm thinking, man, maybe we can get a tow truck. Christmas morning, it's 9 a.m., it's raining. Ain't no tow trucks working. <laughs> But maybe we can get a tow truck to tow us to like a closed auto dealer. And I mean, we're just working through trying to figure this thing out. About 10 minutes later, all right, all right, Lord, punch the button again and it cranks. We drive, we take the exit to get to Monticello because I'm just hoping to make it at this point. And we get by the prison and the van dies. <laughs> and we start coasting. And we coast into, wouldn't you know it, this little church called Macedonia Church. We, we coast into the parking lot. And we sit, and it's raining, and it's cold, and it's Christmas morning. And we look around, and we see in the fellowship hall, it's a little bitty country church, fellowship hall, there's, a, there's movement. So I go over, the lady says, hey, you know, we're here. We're, we, uh, they, they didn't celebrate Christmas. And so they were treating it as a normal day. Hey, your family can come in and, and hang out with my kids. They lived on, the, on the, the park, on the campus. And so my family went in, hang out with the kids. I called Tallahassee Airport to try to get a rental to see if there was something. And, and no Uber drivers were driving, so we couldn't get to the airport. Um, kind of like, all right, Lord, what are we going to do? We're stuck. And they happened to have a minivan. I said, hey, would you guys mind taking us to the airport? It, would, it was able to fit all of our stuff. And they said, yes. 
So the pastor gets in the, the van, we load up everything, and he drives us to the airport. In that moment, because we're not freaking out and I'm not complaining about what happened or what didn't happen to me, I'm able to talk with him about ministry. We're encouraging one another. He's tearing up at all that God's doing. It's a beautiful thing. Man, there's ministry happening because God sets up unique, amazing situations when you're willing to see him in the middle of everything. He happens to look at the van and says, hey, you know, um, um, I can change out that alternator for you if you'll just leave it here. I said, okay. At this point, I'm like, maybe God provided him for you. I'll, I'll just trust him. I said, okay, man. And there, there happened to be an auto Riley's in that town that happened to have uh, the, the alternator that I needed. So I bought it. He picked it up a couple days later and changed it out for us. Praise the Lord. Amen. But I'm not done. So we get to the airport. We're supposed to have, uh, there was no vans. So we were going to have to rent two cars to drive, you know, Courtney drive the rest of the way. I drive the rest of the way, you know, and drop it off at the other airport in Louisiana. Don't worry. I'm almost done with the story. Don't check out yet. There's a point to this. So <clears throat> go to all the different rental companies. Nobody had a van. Went back to Hertz and said, hey, would you check one more time? They called the lot, happened to have a van. Go figure. Praise the Lord. God provides. As they're going to get the van, the, the girl, I say, hey, you know, because I'm still rejoicing in the Lord in my heart, know his presence is with me, even in the midst of the crazy circumstance when we're supposed to be all stressed out and stuff, right? Because praise the Lord, God, the grace was in the message that I preached, which was in the word of God that's in his word. Amen. All I had to do was believe it and walk it out in faith in the midst of the situation. Praise the Lord for the testimony. So, so I'm, instead of complaining, man, I'm looking for Jesus. Hey, uh, I think your name was maybe Kiera or Kiedra. Kiedra, is it, I just believe Jesus loves you a lot. Is there anything I can pray for you for while they're getting the van? She said, she thought about it for a moment. She said, understanding. Pray for me for understanding. I said, do you know what it means to be born again? She said, yes, I do. I said, have, have you been, is Jesus your Lord? She says, yes, it is. I said, okay, well, I'll, 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 you mind if I just talk to you a little bit about understanding? She said, please. I said, you know where understanding comes from? She said, nope. I said, well, Hebrews 11, chapter three, chapter 11, verse three says, by faith, we understand. So faith comes by hearing, requires believing what you heard, and then is completed by obedience. So a lot of times we have to hear, believe, and obey before we understand. But then on the other side of the step of obedience, God gives us understanding so that can become our normal way of life. So we can begin to w live in the way of the Father as he's teaching us to walk by faith. But we always have to obey in faith because without faith it's impossible to please God. You guys follow me? Amen. I'm just quoting scripture at you. And so I encourage her with that. And she's, she's like, thank you. I said, okay, um, before I pray for you, because I want to pray for you, there was a guy listening to, and I could feel it. I don't know if you ever talked to somebody and you just know this guy's, the person here is, is really taking in everything and kind of sucking it from you. If you've never experienced that, it's an interesting feeling. So I looked at him. I said, hey man, what about you? If I, I just believe Jesus loves you a lot. If I was going to pray for you for anything, what would it be? Kenneth said, understanding. I said, I said, do you know what it means to be born again? He said, um, so I got to explain what it means to be born again to him. 
that, that man, when you believe Jesus died and rose again, but not just believe because even demons believe, but demons don't follow him. You also confess with your, with your mouth, but it results in your life following Jesus as Lord, saying, I'm going to follow you instead of myself. Have you ever done that before? Kenneth said, no. Well, man, would, God loves you. Would you, like, would you like to follow him now? Would you like to, for the God of the universe to come and live inside of you by the Holy Spirit and lead you toward the purposes you, he has for you? Yes. Let's pray. Kenneth gave his life to Jesus right there. Now, if I'm living the normal world life and complaining and fussing and fighting, it's Christmas Eve, why is all this happening to me, God? Kenneth would have never gave his life to Jesus because I'd have been so focused on me. Amen? Now, not only that, James 1, 2, or 1, 2, 1, 3, something like that, says, count it all joy when you face trials of many kind, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, when it's, ha when it's finished its work, you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Okay? So, don't worry. You're going to be tested in your faith. And that will never stop. Because God wants you to be mature and complete, lacking nothing. But every time you go through a test and pass and persevere, you grew. So your capacity to have joy in the moment next time when the similar situation happens, you have it. You're already there. So when something worse happens, now it's testing or, or, or challenging in a different situation. It's going to stretch your faith even more. Well, praise the Lord. You got the word. You got the grace because you've heard it. Now you can hear it, believe it, and obey it. And watch as he moves in your life. And you show less and less anxiety and more and more peace and joy because of your relationship with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay, so the end of the story is we, got, we dropped off the rental car in Monroe, spent you know, a week and a half or so with my parents. It was amazing. Had a great time. God did a lot of cool stuff. Ended up driving back to Tallahassee. Saw Kiedra again. Kenneth wasn't working. Encouraged her to disciple him. She had already looked up our church and, and told her about the Purple Book, which is a book we use to disciple new believers and commissioned her to disciple Kenneth as a new believer. Then got back to the van, Pastor Joby had already fixed the van, worked like new, and man, we got to drive back all as well. Praise the Lord. God worked out all things together for his goodness. <laughs> now you have to hear that through the eyes of, I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on what Jesus has done in me and is doing through me, and man, you know, sometimes I still, sometimes I still get frustrated at my son and, and respond out of anger. And then I have to apologize and, and, and repent, you know, and then grow in him. But man, he's continuing to stretch me and grow me to look more like Jesus. And hopefully you can hear the testimony of what God did in and through me and it helped encourage and grow your faith to be able to rejoice in all circumstances. Just like it says in Philippians 4, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all. Because in those situations, we don't like to be gentle. We like to go, rah! <laughs> Why? Because the Lord is near is what it says. Then it says, don't be anxious about anything. He wouldn't give you a command to not be anxious unless he's already given you the ability to not be anxious about anything. 
which that grace is wrapped in his word. All you got to do is believe what he says over what the world says. And walk by faith in those areas. Amen? And hearing the testimony is going to build your faith, give you the, a greater capacity to do so. And I'll show you how. Because today's all about, everybody say testimony. testimony. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did and what you're doing. Revelation chapter 19. John the Revelator, as he's called, wrote Revelation. It's, the revela it's, it's not the revelation of doomsday. Okay? It's the revelation of Jesus. And it's written to be an encouragement to you. And an encouragement for you. Now, this angel had appeared to him and was taking him through this vision that he saw. Now, I'm just going to start in Revelation 19.6. It says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. Like when the saints worship together in unity, it's like the roar of many waters and the sound of pealing thunders. It's, there's, there's a power to it. Our church, you guys do this, and I encourage you all the more to worship the Lord in unity. Now, watch what he says. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. You are the bride of Christ. I am the bride of Christ. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you've been born again, here it says we have the capacity to make ourselves ready. Hallelujah. Wow. What does that look like? Verse 8. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. What is that? It says it in the next line. For the linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Make ourselves ready by clothing ourselves in fine linen, which is the righteous deeds of the saints. Righteous acts. Now, wait a second. Is this saying, Pastor David, that we earn our salvation? No. Not in the least bit. But let me tell you, when you believe Jesus is Lord, your life will respond like Jesus is Lord. Look at your life and the output of your life, the fruit of your life, and it will show you what you really believe. Because spiritual decisions and spiritual thoughts, spiritual beliefs are always reflected in the physical eventually. So what you really believe is shown by how you speak and how you live. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, you make that decision in your heart, your life will begin to line up and shift more and more day after day to reflect Jesus as Lord. So that eventually when others see your life, they'll say, man, Jesus is your Lord. You follow him instead of yourself. If you believe what the word says, Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you're in Christ, Christ's righteousness credited to your account, washed clean, Romans 4, 8, forgiven, 
blesses those whose sin is never counted against him. So you believe that Jesus' righteousness has been credited to you like it was to Abraham? That when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of God? If you really believe that, then guess what? Your life will begin to reflect righteous acts and righteous deeds. You'll begin to live righteously. If you don't believe it, if you just take it as a cool thought, then you won't begin to live righteously. Now, does that mean you don't fall? No, it doesn't mean that. Because in Psalms, it says, though a righteous, I think it's Psalms, maybe Proverbs, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. So when a righteous man falls, he realizes this is not who I am. He gets back up in the Lord because he's been forgiven. Because those who really believe that they're forgiven, they live a forgiven life. And they begin to forgive others. Because you can't help it if you really believe you've been forgiven. What you believe will be shown by the fruit of your life. So say, Holy Spirit, would you show me what I think I believe, but I really don't? And help my unbelief? I want to grow in you. I want my life to reflect your goodness in every way. That's living with a humble, repentant heart. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. <clears throat> you guys good? All right. Verse 9. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then John, then I fell at my feet to worship him, to worship the angel. What did the angel say? Whoa, wait. You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Everybody say, hold to the testimony, hold to the testimony. of Jesus. Hold now, what does it mean to hold to the testimony of Jesus? It's a good question that I put in your mouth. What does it mean to hold to the testimony of Jesus? Well, we have to understand what is testimony again. The test and what is the testimony of Jesus? Now, when we think back to what Jesus did, the whole thing, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. What did Jesus come and do? He came and gave his life away. He died for us and then rose again so we could receive his life. Amen? That's the gospel. First John says that that act is love. What is love? Jesus sacrificed himself for us. So we should do the same for one another. So love is the sacrificing of yourself for one another. Amen? Now, looking back at what Jesus did, that's the testimony of Jesus. And we need to hold to that. What does that mean? Well, <clears throat> You know, the New Testament was written in Greek, okay? When all these English translations we have, they come from uh, the Greek manuscripts. When John wrote this, he probably wrote it in Greek, okay? That's the, the letter he wrote was in Greek, Revelation. Now, the word for testimony used is martyria, martyria. What does martyria sound like? Martyr. It comes... The, get the same word. As a matter of fact, if you look at the definitions of testimony, it even talks about, in, in the big Greek book I got, it even talks about being a martyr, holding to the testimony even unto death. So wrapped in testimony is the word martyr. 
Think about Jesus. Jesus laying his life down for his father and what his father said to do. He only did what his father said, uh, only did what he, he saw his father doing and only said what he heard his father saying. So Jesus was holding to the word of his father even unto death. Even though his flesh was tempted and did not want to go to the cross. The night before the cross, Jesus said, if there be any other way, let it be that. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Even though my flesh doesn't want to, I'm choosing what my father says because it's right. Going to the cross and as a result of his obedience, his surrendered, submitted obedience to the father, we get to experience the very life of Jesus. And wrapped in that life and the word of the gospel is the grace to do the exact same thing. Holding to the testimony of Jesus produces the same life in us because Jesus gave us the command to love God. A friend of God obeys his commands and to love each other as he loved us. So Jesus said that I give you a new command to love one another as I have loved you. So he's commanding us to hold to the testimony by repeating the testimony in our life and being a martyr for one another. What is love? Sacrificing yourself for each other. Sacrificing yourself for the sake of another. Right? You follow me so far? Now, what does that look like? Let me tell you. A friend of God is not somebody that is buddy-buddy with God. That's not the definition of being a friend of God. A friend of God is defined in John chapter 15, I think, maybe 14, is one who obeys his commands. So a friend of God is one who's obedient to God. Not buddy-buddy. That will result in closeness, but it's one who is obedient to his words. <clears throat> what does it look like to be obedient as a believer? Oh, it looks like holding to the testimony. It looks like being a martyr. Because when you give your life to Jesus, it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. I was crucified with Christ. I died with Christ on the cross when I gave my life to Jesus. When I took the step of baptism, I was saying, it's no longer I who live. I'm not what everybody else thinks about me, what everybody else said about me. I am who he says that I am. And this is a, re a representation of a death of my old me. I'm resurrected to new life in him. His life is now my life. Amen? <clears throat> okay. So, what does that look like? What is obedience? <laughs> we are supposed to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Obedience is walking by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads you to something and you hear, believe, and you obey. You're walking by faith. So the Holy Spirit tells you to do something. The Bible says the flesh is at war with the Spirit so that you don't do what you want. Every time that you obey the Holy Spirit, your flesh is going to say, No! Every time God wants you to move in him, in some way, your flesh is going to say, don't do it. There's going to be a fight from your flesh. And you have to know that you're dead to that. So you don't have to choose that. You can choose to walk by the spirit. Does that make sense? So every time you obey, you are declaring that I have died with Christ. It's no longer I who live. You're choosing day in and day out to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and, and follow Jesus. You're living a life of a testimony, of, of holding to the testimony, and being that martyria. 
Does that make sense? You guys follow me. It's deep, but it's good. Okay. So living a Christian life is daily denying yourself. Jesus said it. You cannot be my disciple unless you first, what? Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So Christians who hold to the testimony, remember what Jesus has done and become an imitator of the father as dearly loved children and daily pick up their cross, deny what they do want and what they don't want and obey the Lord moment by moment. And in that obedience, his grace empowers it. So on the other side of obedience, there's supernatural results. We see and experience the life of Christ in and through us and others around us experience it and want to change too. You saw that in my testimony. What did my flesh want to do? Whine and complain about what I'm not getting and not being at the place that I'd planned to be at. 3 a.m. in the morning, and it's Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. Everything should be going right. Oh, that's what my flesh wanted to do. But instead, I was obedient to his word by his grace, praise the Lord. And on the other side, there were supernatural results. Somebody gave their life to Jesus. Amen. What would it look like for all of us to grow in our willingness to follow him day in and day out like that? Well, I'll tell you, we got quite a few testimonies of that. Before I get to that, I want to say one more thing. Everybody follow me so far? Okay. Just making sure that it's all like cohesive and connected and stuff. Because I'm delighting in the testimony. This is fun. The way that the kingdom works is this. Revelation 19. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Now, what is, what is worship? It's another example of everything I'm saying. Revela I'm in Romans 12, 11. I mean, 12, 1, sorry. Romans 12, 1. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's living a testimony, being a martyria for Jesus, being obedient day in and day out, moment by moment, being a Christian. Okay? It's what it is. Worship God. Why? For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay? So when we remember and honor, we give weight to, that's what honoring is, we're giving weight to what Jesus did, how he laid his life down for us. We remember that. It's the spirit of what, of prophecy, what he wants to do in our life and through our life. We worship, just another little bunny trail for a second to kind of help bring this out and tease it out. We worship God in spirit and in truth. You've heard me say it before. Man, I can give my life for truth and speak truth and live truth, but do it in the wrong spirit. Say the right things and do the right things, but push people away from God. Amen? I can say the right things and do the right things, but, but never draw them into a relationship with God because I wasn't doing it in the way my father wanted to say it and the way my father wanted to do it. I was doing it the way that I wanted to say it and the way I wanted to do it, even though I was saying the right things. Make sense? I can say the right thing to my wife in the wrong way and it'll offend her. But I can say the right thing to my wife in the right way and it will help her. Still may offend, but it will help and encourage and move forward. Amen? Okay. So we worship in spirit and truth. We, we grow to know the truth of God and then God disciplines us to live out that truth in the way that he would live it if he were walking in us because he is the Holy Spirit. Make sense? You guys, you guys with me? Okay. So... Then the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What we see Jesus has done, 
shows us what he wants to do in our life and the way that he wants to do it in our life. But not only that, when he does something, the kingdom always multiplies every time. So when I look back to what Jesus has done and I remember it, God reveals it to me or something like that in my spirit or in the word or whatever, it's a seed that I can receive by faith knowing that he wants to produce that same singular fruit in my life, but he also, kingdom always multiplies. He wants to multiply it in my life, so my life is producing that same singular and multiple fruit. From that seed grows a tree that produces multiple fruit and impacts the world around me. That's why Jesus said, you will do the same things I do and even greater. He was living a life that was supposed to be multiplied in us and through us to the world around us by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see it? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay. So I want to spend a little bit of time just going through the testimony of what God has done in real church in 2023. Because I want you to spend this week reflecting on your life, on what God has done in you in 2023. Write out a couple of paragraphs or more, however much you're willing to, to remember all of the things that, that he brought you through. Be thankful for them, to honor the testimony, and know that if Jesus did that in you, then that's a seed of what he wants to do even greater and multiply in 2024. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. But then call your friend. Say, hey, what did God do in you? Well, what did you see him? How did you see him work in you in 2023? And listen and hear what God did in them. Because if he did it in them, then he'll do it in you. And let that build faith for what he wants to do in you in 2024. And let the seed of the testimony of what they're saying bear fruit in your life because you honored it, you listened to it, and you prayed into it and allowed it to take root in your heart. Amen? Amen. Okay. <clears throat> Y'all mind if I give you one more thing? Testimony, martyria, death to self, doing what we don't want to do, uh, what our flesh doesn't want to do in order to be obedient to God. Science is catching up with the scripture. So cool. There's an area in the brain called the anterior mid-singulate cortex. We'll just say an area of the brain. Interior mid-cingulate cortex. You have two of them, one on the left side and one on the right. This area of the brain, for those nerdy people like me, it grows when you do choose to do what you don't want to do. And it shrinks if you never choose to do what you don't want to do. So for athletes that continually create new disciplines and get up at 4 a.m. when they don't want to do it and all this kind of stuff, the anterior mid-cingulate cortex is growing larger and larger. For those that maybe you go on a diet and you're choosing not to eat that food when you really want to eat it, your anterior mid-cingulate cortex is growing larger and larger. Those of you that are creating a new habit, or it's especially large in those that see themselves as challenged and they do what it takes to overcome the challenge. The mid-cingulate, the anterior mid-cingulate cortex is growing larger and larger. Now, if you quit challenging yourself 
to do and, and never again do what you don't want to do, it will shrink back down to size. And those that live long lives, like very long lives, the anterior mid-cingulate cortex is very large. And these are new studies, but lots of studies. They're saying that this area of the brain is the seat of willpower and the seat of your will to live. Isn't that interesting? And the Bible says we're supposed to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Jesus and be obedient to him. So as we are obedient to our creator, our will to live is growing. We're experiencing and enjoying more life as we're saying no to the flesh and yes to him. Man, that's so cool to me. Anyway, it's like if we just follow the Bible, we'll be healthy. <laughs> Healthier than we not, not, Don't fight me on that theologically. Anyway, <clears throat> I still get a cold sometimes, okay? All right, uh, so what I'm about to read to you is the testimony of what we did collectively as a church. If, if real church is your church home, um, you played a part in this. Like when we operate in unity in the body of Christ, we operate together and accomplish things together. It's like the hand. When everything's healthy in the hand, man, it's strong. If there's something broken and operating in disunity from the hand, it's weak. So as we, as a, a body of Christ, are unified, operating in the same direction, there's a synergistic effect that causes us to be more effective for his kingdom in the world. And the testimony of what Jesus is doing grows stronger and stronger and stronger. When we see more and more righteous acts that we're clothed with and as his body and we reflect the righteousness and character of Jesus to a Pinellas County and to the world more effectively than before. AKA, we need you guys. We won't be as effective impacting Pinellas County without your full involvement. Amen? Amen. So here's the testimony or some of the testimony. This is not a a um, exhaustive list, but it's some of the testimony of what God did in 2023 through Real Church. We, we got all of our leadership together in December, our elders, our deacons, and our staff. And we, I just had them list out what they remember God doing, and I took notes. Um, hey, we appointed three new deacons. Praise the Lord. We appointed a new elder, which is awesome. Uh, we hired DeAsia as our established pastor, which is a big deal. Uh, our ability to hire people to serve in different capacities is based on your tithes and offerings. Our, our ability to do everything is based on your willingness to serve and give and be in line and carry the mission forward. And so because of that, we're able to do these things. And DeAsia uh, is amazing because she carries multiple things and empowers multiple people. We've put many new leaders into different places on the teams, which is awesome. Bart started running the wrecking crew. I mean, there's many different people. Um, so we, we married two couples in services. So just uh, those of you that are like, what? These two couples heard the word of the Lord at a Sunday prior, repented of living together in immorality, and the fruit of repentance was being married. And so they chose to be married either in the dream team service or at church. I didn't force it. They did. And it was an example of repentance and righteousness and holiness. I mean, how cool is that? 
Amen. God's good. Okay. Uh, we appointed a new overseer. So if you don't know what overseers, elders, and deacons are at Real Church, you need to come to establish. Uh, establish is tonight. You can sign up for that if you're interested in being a member or our Real Church being your home church. You want to come to establish. It's at 5 o'clock. And uh, you can sign up on our website. Uh, just click the little hamburger link in the right. Click get involved and sign up for establish. You have to do it before 1 p.m. today in order to come to establish uh, because we have food and childcare and all of that. But this is, if this is your home church, this is your next step uh, to becoming connected is going through establish. You get to see the ins and outs of who we are and, and really make an informed decision uh, seeing the, the vision and direction God has given us. Amen? All right. So we had a making disciples event in June or July that launched evangelism and discipleship and then that ministry called Belong in a Real Church. Uh, through that Making Disciples event, there were many people that came that had never shared the gospel before and on that Saturday shared the gospel and people gave their life to Jesus. So they shared the gospel for the first time and led people to Jesus for the first time just because of that Make Disciples event. How cool is that? Yeah. Um, so we started a ministry called Belong it meets on Tuesdays, where we gather, we pray, we go out and share the gospel, not in a forceful, God hates you kind of way, but in a loving people and serving people and praying for them and, and, and God supernaturally impacts them. We've seen since we started that ministry in July, uh, over a hundred people get born again. Come on. And we've had some of them. It's, it's, really, it's really hard once, when they give their life to Jesus, God impacts them. You know, just being honest, it's hard to connect them to discipleship. And we try, and we're growing at that. So please pray, pray for that. But we've had multiple people uh, be discipled and be connected. You guys know our drummer, Aiden, which wasn't, uh, did play today. But man, you know, he gave his life to Jesus at the Make Disciples event and was discipled. Now he's connected and playing the drums and God's moving in his life. Uh, it's just an amazing thing. So we're going to continue Belong. Belong is this Tuesday night. We're starting it back up this Tuesday night. We took two weeks off. So if you want to come to Belong, you want to learn how to share the gospel, uh, that makes you uncomfortable right now. Hey, let's grow that anterior mid-cingulate cortex. Do what you don't want to do, right? And, and I promise you'll see supernatural results on the other side. So you can sign up for Belong on our website. Um, and, and Belong is Tuesday night at 6, 6.30. It'll be amazing. Okay. Uh, we started a prayer team. So praise the Lord. We, we put a, a major emphasis on prayer. Uh, and as a result of that prayer, God started moving in amazing ways in, in May. Um, our elders and, and leaders decided in February we needed to really call the church to prayer. We did a prayer series in March. This is all testimonies of what Jesus has done. The church began to pray intentionally. Prayer precedes movement. In May, uh, we started to see words of knowledge, miracles, and healing um, break out in our church multiple Sundays. Uh, and people have been being healed consistently in our church ever since, which is pretty awesome. As a matter of fact, let's just do this. If God has healed a physical ailment in your body this past year, would you raise your hand? Look around. How cool is that? Jesus heals. It's awesome. 
let that testimony build faith in you. We'll pray for the sick at the end of the service today. Okay, so if you, if you have, if you see Jesus did that, I mean, that's amazing. If he did it in them, it's the spirit of prophecy. He wants to do the same and greater in you and through you. Amen? All right. Uh, so, but we also have a prayer team now. So at 930, the prayer team for, meets in the other side of the cafeteria. This is a cafeteria. <laughs> the other side of the cafeteria to pray for the service and stuff. You're invited. So we started a prayer ministry. We also started a prophetic team. Okay. Um, we had Diane and Todd Harrison, which equips churches in healthy prophetic ministry come. And we had a prophetic conference. And Gabriel Mullins, where are you, Gabe? Would you stand up? He's full of Jesus. Look at that guy. <laughs> he started a prophetic team and trained and equipped about 20, about 16, made it through and uh, are on the prophetic team. And we're looking to incorporate them into normal ministry at the church in a healthy way, as well as growing the team in 2024. Uh, we had a prophetic worship night, which was amazing. How many of you guys came? Was that good for you guys? It wasn't it awesome. I had about 80 or 90 come and uh, 90, I think it was. And man, that was so powerful uh, as our church is growing in that. Those of you that are kind of freaked out at me saying the word prophetic, guys, 1 Corinthians 14 says, eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. Okay. So I'm almost done. Um, we began, began a youth ministry. So we have a, a junior high youth ministry that meets right now on Sundays, every other Sunday. We're looking to grow that. This is just the bones. This is, this is the structure. I'm very thankful to Keith and Mallory for, for pioneering it. They're pioneers for our church. And uh, what they, they pioneer uh, grows and matures and, becomes, and becomes, grows from infancy to healthy. And so I'm very thankful for that. I'm excited for the future youth ministry that will come from that as well. Uh, there, Mel, um, um, Mallory is also... Uh, ministering and helping to start a group and disciple students in Oak Grove Middle School every week. Uh, how cool is that? Amen. Um, we hired new staff. So Katie, Alex, Ashley. Um, and so we have a, a new kids director and stuff, which is awesome. Uh, new team leaders appointed. Already said that. Hey, I, I became a doctor this, this year. Praise the Lord. Uh, that was a seven-year process because <laughs> I planted a church in the middle of the studies. And so very thankful for, for God doing that. Uh, our church grew from about 150 to 200 on Sundays. And uh, that growth consists of many strong families. So I'm very thankful for that. Women at the Well, our women's ministry was established uh, and stronger than ever. Uh, if you haven't been a part of our women's ministry, ladies... You need to get, become a part. They meet about once a month, and uh, man, it's so so strong. They did a retreat; it was wonderful. Uh, our worship uh, worship team has had a focus of of purity and simplicity, uh, and man, it's really impacted our congregation. Amen. Yeah. Uh, strongholds and chains broken in families. Uh, in general, I won't be specific there, but man, God has done amazing things. Uh, on on the healing thing, just a a simple. 10 second story. I mean, here's an example. One guy, Fred was diagnosed with epilepsy or like seizures. His brain had showed that he had like 20 something seizures. We prayed for him. Uh, specifically, I think it was um, Gabe, 
Gabe Rogers and Mike Gabbert laid hands on him and prayed for him. He went back to the doctor the next day. They rechecked his brain and it showed as if his brain had never had seizures before. The doctor didn't believe it. Checked it again. No seizures. That's one example. Jesus is our healer. Okay. Uh, we ordained three people. That's cool. Praise the Lord. Um, it's kind of a big deal. Well, lots of baptisms. I don't have the number on that. Words of knowledge and miracles and healings. We talked about that, which is pretty amazing. So God's, God's done a lot in 2023. I, I challenge you this week to spend time reflecting on what he's done in your life and what you've seen him do in the church. In missions, uh, continued salvations in Pakistan. We, we pioneered a ministry in Pakistan three years ago. At the beginning of the year, there was about, I'd say, 20,000 believers in Pakistan from one three years ago. Uh, we went in March, preached the gospel to 47,000 people, and uh, 21,000 gave their life to Jesus. Over 18,000 documented healings and, and deliverances, which was amazing. Uh, I know that's crazy numbers, but as, of, as we speak right now, there's at least 54,975 new believers in unreached people groups being discipled by over 1,100 leaders that have, you, church, have helped pioneer in Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, we had our first group mission trip. So me and Jerry went as like an insurgency, I guess, into Pakistan. We had our first group church mission trip to Uganda and God did amazing things. Many people changed uh, on our trip and also in Uganda. Um, so much on that trip. And you guys got to meet my African dad, Dr. John Wandera, when he came. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's a seed of what's to come. The best is yet to come, church. We're five-year-old, five-and-a-half-year-old little baby church. And we're just getting started. And he did all of that. Guys, the best is yet to come. Yeah. Next, next couple of weeks, we'll talk about what's happening in 2024. But I want you to prepare your heart. I want you to prepare your heart by remembering the testimony of what God did in 2023. Writing it out. Okay. Being thankful. Um, being intentional in that. Saying it out loud. Telling people about it. Asking them about their testimony. What did God do in your life? Learning from it, asking the Lord to do the similar stuff in your life, okay, as you prepare for this. And then pray about fasting uh, and what it looks like to fast. We'll, we'll probably start a fast here in about two weeks, but I just want you to pray about, hey, God, would you like me to fast? Uh, what, is, what does that look like to fast? The Bible commands us to fast. It says when you fast. So I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that next week, but just as you remember the testimony, we want to prepare ourselves to be able to, to look forward to 2024. Amen.